This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Thursday Buckeye Talk. Doug Marie, Stephen Baird, Stephen Meetings up, Cleveland.com. And, you know, I'm Buckeye Talk. I was on a radio show and they just said, I'm Doug of Buckeye Talk. I'm like, yeah, that's what I am. I'm Doug of Buckeye Talk. Tulsa, I was on a radio show in Tulsa and I felt again, occasionally, I mean, we all do radio shows. And when we do, we are, for lack of a better word, ambassadors of uh, not the Ohio State program, certainly, but of, uh, you know, whatever, the general vibe of Ohio State football, because we're the people on a radio show in another city talking about the team, and we're supposed to be experts on them. And they were like, so what's Ohio State saying about Tulsa this week? And I was like, listen, guys, no offense. (laughs) We literally did not say the word Tulsa. In the Tuesday news conference when the only person we talked to was the head coach. I am not telling you this so that like the entire city of Tulsa can like hang it on their private bulletin boards and like Buckeyes overlook. It's like, it's a fire drill here, man. Like it is not about whoever is next. It's not about who that at all right now. It's about what happened before. So uh, no offense to the fine people of Tulsa. And I think it was like a new sports talk radio station. They started like last week and they were all excited. So good luck to those guys. They did a good job. Exciting. So here's what we're going to do. Nathan, do you believe, I think it's hard because it doesn't happen very often at Ohio state. I always wonder like what the line is between rehashing a loss, looking for information about the loss. And most importantly, what the loss means for what's next using the loss for information and also like not beating it to death that we go five days a week on this podcast. I mean, we talk long, it's like seven to eight hours of podcasting every week. We probably don't need eight hours on, boy, the linebackers were out of position against Oregon, right? So we are going big picture here today. We are we are talking about losses, but we're expanding beyond the Oregon loss to talk about all the Ohio State losses. That'll make everybody feel better. But what do you think the line is between what's enough, what's enough and what's too much when you get into a loss like this? Well, I think we do our best to like uh, ferret out new nuggets of information that are coming out. But there is a point at the, in, the, in the week, and I think we've hit it, where I think it's good to kind of pull back and take a sort of a 10,000 foot view and put this loss in context. Um, obviously, the context changes from year to year. But in general, what does a loss mean and how much does it alter a season? And I think it's good to have that discussion at some point just to make sure that people's perspectives are not completely skewed by the, um, there's just that, that weird, <laughs> the, the first 24, 48 hours after it, because I've been here, this is my third year here. I haven't experienced one. Um, I did coincidentally experience the last Ohio state loss in a different way in the regular season, but 
that I, I feel like there's just you go through all those there's like stages of fandom after a loss like that, right? Where it's it's not quite the stages of grief, but it's like shock and disgust and regret and I don't know what other words you would put to it, but you got to kind of like swim your way through that sludge and then come out the other side and have a conversation that puts it in better historical perspective. Okay, before we do that, let's dig in very quickly on the tiny little bit of news. We're recording this late Wednesday morning. Stephen, uh, Nathan, I know you texted about it, but Stephen, black stripes removed for a couple guys. Neote Ote at linebacker, Tyreek Williams on the defensive line. You know, it happens, whatever. But in a world where we're like, well, I don't know, do they need to find some new defensive players? Like, is this something to take information from? Like, okay, well, if Neoteote is going to play a bigger role, they probably got to get that stripe off. Or or is it like, I don't know, no big deal, and they're just going to keep looking for guys? EAs is interesting because it's kind of in the same vein that we saw with uh, the kicker last year when his black stripe came off as we found out that Blake Hallbill was dealing with some injuries and that Saturday he was the starting kicker. Um, so that one's interesting. Talik Williams is interesting because Jerron Cage hasn't played yet this year, I don't believe. And so maybe you just need some depth there. And that guy's been here since January. So if he's ready to go, he's ready to go. The Andre Turrentine one is, I don't know. Like he got here in, in, in June and I don't know if that true freshman is the answer. I know Denzel Burke proved to be an answer, but he was here in January and developing a little bit. I don't know if I would put that one in the same category, even though it is kind of interesting because he's a safety. He's a safety. He's yeah. getting his stripe taken off at the position where they're currently like, uh, I don't know. So, yeah. What it's kind like of we- safety is the question, though? Because that's the problem when you want to name everybody a safety. Is he cover safety? Is he bullet or is he free well, safety? He's, he's not a bullet, right? We don't no. think he's a bullet, do we? So if he's a cover safety, maybe then it's like, hey, guess who's going back to deep safety? Lathan Ransom. Yeah. Is, so they need more cover safeties. If he's a deep safety, it's like, hey, guess what? They could use some deep safeties. I think maybe... Turrentine is the one that 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 actually might be an indication of something because that guy has not been on the radar at all. And they're kind of in a safety issue right now. But he was not recruited as a free safety. He has a background at cornerback. Right. And he Mm -hmm. I just never thought that he was trending towards playing free safety here. What did you think you thought he was? I mean, but they take corners and move them to free safety. Right. I don't know. I don't know what he was. But so you think of him more as a cover safety. Probably. And I think more to the point of what Steven's saying, like if, if Andre Turrentine all of a sudden is your answer at free safety. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's the answer. Well, let me say this also like Damon Webb was a guy who was a top 50 national recruit at corner who wound up playing safety here. Damon Webb in the book that's out. So one of the things too, is beyond the single high safety, if they want to play a little more too deep safety, then they need yeah. two safety. They need two deep safeties. Like this is true. Like that you is need true. it. That is true. You already don't have enough for one, and now you might need two. So that doesn't mean that they can't just say, Lathan Ransom, you're going back. We're not going to have, we're going to just change the alignment. Your responsibilities are going to change. Where you line up is going to change, but you're going to stay on the field. But they also just might be looking for, mo- for more options there. We all think they're looking for more options. And if you guys didn't listen to the Wednesday podcast, we kind of detailed that in some way of sort of running through the defensive roster who's played. Should they play more? Should they play less? Who else might play? Urban, I would also say I think Neotote should have lost his black stripe before. Probably, I mean, if he, if his if his eligibility situation had been more conventional, he would have lost his weeks ago. Probably. Yeah, I, he probably would have been because uh, Trey Sermon when he transferred here, he lost his within like the first seven days. 
Last year, it probably would have been the same thing with EA had he been eligible and they knew what was going on there. I mean, it's like one of those things. Like, what if Spencer Rattler transferred here and then it was like, hey, uh, here's your stripe. <laughs> it's yeah. like, did LSU give Joe Burrow a stripe? It's like, hey, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> they gave Justin Fields one. <laughs> did they give Justin Fields a stripe? They did, and then he lost it. I think the ver- the second practice of the spring, and it was like the most. I think it was the earliest anyone's ever lost their black stripe, and we were all like, well. Yeah, because he's your starting quarterback. Ryan Day just won't say it out loud. After the second practice, Justin Fields just took his stripe off and walked over <laughs> yeah. to Ryan Day, and I said, I don't think I need this anymore. Uh, I do want to uh, quickly address this. This is as we record this late Wednesday morning. We probably need to talk about this. Maybe we can have some, maybe we can mention this on the Friday pod because it does matter that Ohio State had issues at the stadium on Saturday, like getting people in that was kind of jacked up. I think people were delayed getting in with some of the mobile tickets and the scanners and stuff. So they are making some adjustments to that. They've got to make it a better, a better experience for these people. It's like, I think they basically sort of trans started to transition to a more mobile ticket world in the midst of the pandemic. And then it was like, okay, well now here we are, we're back to normal, but we're also doing mobile tickets for the first time. I apparently did not go well. And so they said, but also we know what the Tuesday Ryan day press conference was like, so they sent out a press release at the first headline of the press release. The headline said adjustments in staff and protocols set for Ohio stadium. But the first line of the headline was adjustments in staff. And, and it was like, Oh my God, this is the, this is the new defensive coach email. And I was like, Oh, it's a mobile ticket scanner thing, which is fine. It's just funny. It, it happens to everybody. It's just funny where the headline breaks, Nathan. It was like an old time newspapery thing on the headline break. I legitimately, for three th- seconds, thought it was a coaching change press release for real. Adjustments in staffing and protocols set for Ohio Stadium. So it was like, is <laughs> if if it had been the announcement that you think, it would have been the worst possible way to tell people about a change in ticketing protocols at Ohio Stadium. Like, oh, by the way. That would have gotten, it would have been it would have it would have gotten lost in the shuffle I think put, but it was put it at the, the bottom adjustments in staffing was the top line yes that was yes. what made it staffing first right that was that was where the break was so that was uh, particularly it was just funny because everybody's kind of on edge and other sites are having fights about what's a real report about something and what's not a real report and that's fine you know I I kind of like it when. Um, journalists kind of stand up for themselves and say, well, I'm hearing this and I'm telling you this. And if someone else is telling you differently, they're telling you wrong. So good luck to everybody with that. You know, we're getting questions about, it. I don't, we don't know. I don't know. We're not gonna, I don't know. Carrie Combs. I have Carrie Combs number in my phone. I didn't, I haven't used it this week. I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. So like, I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't have, we don't, uh, we're not going to, I don't know. We don't have anything to tell you. It would seem a little much, right? So assume that uh, things are moving forward for this week, at least. I, I do want to address this quickly as we record this Wednesday. Urban Meyer, the Jags did not look good in week one. And Urban Meyer is having his news conference right now in Jacksonville. And he got asked about USC. And he said, no chance. So uh, on the college football playoff show, Shahan and I on Tuesday talked about the idea of James Franklin at, at USC and my friend Dave Jones, who covers Penn State, best Penn State writer around, 
three years ago, wrote a column about 10 reasons James Franklin makes sense for USC. But Nathan, Urban's name is going to get dropped and stuff like this. There's only a certain number of jobs that would make sense for Urban. We've seen enough college coaches go to the NFL, fail, bail, come back to college. I think Saban was there for two years. If Urban went to Jacksonville and like went one in 15 and was like, this is not for me. And USC was like, do you want $20 million a year? Right. I don't know. I don't know. He says no chance. He said no chance. But when he's standing up there as the 0-1 coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in like a little teal, light teal. I like the color of it. Light teal, zip up, half zip, quarter zip. Might be a, hold on, let me check. Probably a quarter zip. I think he's a, not a half zip. Probably he's more of a, maybe a third zip. He might be a third zip guy. Third zip up, you know, little sweatshirt thing. He's not going to stand there how, in the jet. How jag- is it possible that all of these podcasts go an hour and a half, no matter Third what? Third zip. Do. <laughs> you guys want to know? remember what our original You want to know the real was. deal? <laughs> we are trying to keep the college football playoff show a little tighter and a little more football focused. And it's killing me. And I also don't know if it's good for the show because, like, I don't do this on that show because I'm like, I guess we should talk about football. So I don't know what to do because – if I'm only talking football, if that's all you're here for, just my football knowledge, whew, there is a ceiling on that, my friends. My sweatshirt knowledge, much deeper. But Urban can't stand in that building, Nathan, and be like, oh, yeah, USC, that's a great freaking job. Give me a call. Oh, okay. Who has a question about Trevor Lawrence? Again, USC, awesome job. <laughs> Here's my number. So he he can't really say anything, but... Does any, would any of it make sense, Nathan? Just, we're not, we're just playing speculate because speculating's fun. Urban at USC next year, is it even worth a two second thought or not? It just doesn't make sense to me from a timing standpoint. If you're USC, you fired Clay Helton this week to get your um, overpaid search firm going and to start the process on who you're going to hire as the next coach to hire Urban Meyer as coach. I, he's not going to bail in the middle of this NFL season. That That's not going to happen. I think that I think he's a guy that at this point in his career, probably legacy is something that means something to him. And his, his legacy is secure to some extent, but to like bail on a job after like six weeks, six weeks. No, in but the I season, don't, yeah, be one of those. They're not I mean, going to wait till January to hire him. They're going to wait until January to hire a football coach, I don't think. But unless you wait for Urban Meyer, because he's Urban Meyer. Anybody else they're going to hire have three national championships? That's the thing. I agree with you. He's I, not going to bail. Although Bobby Petrino did. But Bobby Petrino is not a good example. Bobby Petrino is not Urban Meyer. But he bailed in the middle of an NFL season, I think, to take college job. So it's not uh, his first NFL season, though, was it? I don't know. Okay. I don't think it was. We're, off. It, we're not having any. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I mean, it's just. I don't think that's what the issue is. Job. No, I know. But the issue is if he would be willing to leave after a year and USC is like, we'll wait as long as we have to wait. As long as you tell us we're coming, you're coming, then fine. And then we'll do it because you are our number one choice. I don't think it's going to happen. He's going to get asked about it. I think James Franklin makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's move on. James Franklin has already bought a house in L.A. I mean, well, of course, it's not true. But um, I mean, they have there's been other names out there. I mean, there's some other there's they've been uh, NFL assistants talked about there, Brian. Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, some interesting names. I just, I do, I think James Franklin would make a lot of sense there. Okay, I just hold on one second though. Let me check this. I just, there's another email. Holy crap! Did you guys get this yet? 
I don't, we're gonna have to stop. No. Okay, wait. Buckeyes making major changes to ticket policy for Ohio Stadium <laughs> entrance. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was my. <laughs> that's my bad. I just to cut weird again. Okay. The setup was beautiful, by the way. Sorry, sorry. I, beautiful. I, I wasn't certain. I just dinged, and I didn't know what it. I was. I didn't know what it said. Okay. Here's the deal. Putting this in context, I don't know if talking about the Oregon loss in the context of the six other losses since Urban got here is good or bad. That it's like, hey, this has happened before. You know, this this isn't the only time this has happened. But it's also like, hey, this hasn't. This has happened before. It's not the only time this has happened. I'm going to start, Stephen, with the last question that I asked the tech subscribers because it's the context question. And I was asking them to rank the seven regular season losses since 2012. Now, of course, there were none in 2012 or 2013. But the choices were in order the Virginia Tech loss in 2014, Michigan State 2015, Penn State 2016, Oklahoma 2017, Iowa 2017, Purdue 2018, and now Oregon 2021. That's seven. And the the question I asked was this, rank these most recent Ohio State regular season losses in terms of how bad you felt about them at the time they happened. And I do want to get into this because I do think there's a framing for this Oregon loss that is a way to sort of make Ohio State fans feel better about it, right? That it's kind of there's a chance that it's neither of these, but it's also it's probably either this or this, and both of those are kind of okay. Stephen, what do you think was the most devastating loss in the moment for Ohio State fans of those seven? Purdue, because if you really look at this list, it's the only one that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with the other ones. Uh, the The other losses were either quality Big Ten opponents or non-conference opponents that you can kind of come up with a, a reasonable excuse for, whether it was, you know, JT Barrett's second game or Oklahoma had a future number one NFL draft pick and on down the list. With Purdue, it's like you kept, we, you kept talking about it all year. Hey, the defense sucks. Hey, the defense sucks. And if anybody was going to get them, you would have thought TCU would have got them, just like this year Oregon got Ohio State's defense. But it's Purdue – Really, you get through the games that uh, of the teams who are actually capable of beating you and taking down your defense because it sucks. And it's Purdue and Rondell Moore who takes you out and ends your playoff hopes. That hurts in the moment. And then you go on a bye week and then you so you have to deal with it for two weeks. But then also you don't look good the rest of the season. So let me ask this. And this is part of what I want to get into. And I didn't really ask this specifically, but I'm sure we have some comments from the textures that we will get to. Nathan, what do you think is the worst part about a loss like this for Ohio State? Is it what it does to the playoff hopes? That it's like, hey, Ohio State's always in the playoff mix. I always enter a season as a fan thinking that Ohio State has a chance to win a national championship. And this really affects that. And that hurts. Or is it sort of like the more general shock I don't want to, I don't know if embarrassment is the right word, but like you didn't see it coming. And then the idea, like there's a flaw with the team, right? That it's the flaw on the team. Oh my gosh. Are they going to be able to fix it going forward? Cause here's the thing. That's two different things. A loss and playing poorly with a flaw 
that is a disturbing flaw are two very different things because Ohio State has had flaws and kept winning a lot. And, and this does not happen to Ohio State much in the regular season, but for normal teams all the time, like the Browns, the Browns played well at Kansas City and lost. Okay, you lost. So it's like, I don't know, Nathan, what do you think hurts right now more, both for the players and coaches in the program and for fans? And maybe it's a different answer. I don't know. But is it the what it does to the playoff hopes or is it the the fact and the shock and the the despair about a flaw that because here's and then I'll, I'll get to the thing. And when CJ Stroud rolls out right at the end of the game, if he does manage to flip that to Chris Olave and Chris Olave tightropes the sideline and makes a little move, Stephen, you've been talking about how he's so much better after the catch. What if Chris Olave does like an unbelievable individual thing? and gets in the end zone there and they go to overtime and Oregon's field goal kicker bangs a 35 yarder off the upright and uh, Noah Ruggles nails his 35 yarder and Ohio state wins and everything else happened the same. It's just that the little flips from CJ turns into a great Chris Olave thing, but everything else about the defense is on the table. Would we still be in panic mode about the defense when we had had the press conferences that we had after the game and on Tuesday with Ryan Day about what is wrong with your defense? Or would it not be as, as great because they managed to win? So then that, that helps me get to what is it? What is it that's the problem? Is it the loss or is it the thing that caused the loss? Because as Ryan Day said, and every coach says this, but I think it's true, it's easier to adjust and evaluate yourself after the loss because it gets your attention. And as a coach, sometimes you think, well, we survived. Let's not shake it up. And then it's like, well, it burned us. Now we've got to change it. So that's a big picture thing, Nathan, to say, what is worse, the loss itself and what it means for playoff chances or the shock and the despair of the flaw of the team that was exposed in the loss? I I actually think it is more the latter than the former. I think it's more what gets exposed than the fact that you took a loss. Because again, Ohio State has... Ohio State's made the playoff before as a one-loss team. They've won a national championship before as a one-loss team. They know that that's attainable if you have the right kind of loss to the right kind of opponent. But I think this was a team, and, and it's, it's interesting they came this early in the season. This is a team that came into the season with expectations that its offense was going to just like, you know, flatten the earth in front of it. And the defense had to f- solve issues. Now, the, I don't think that these issues are exactly what we had thought they might be coming into the season but we knew that the defense was more suspect and this loss I think maybe pulls the curtain back and says this is exactly how suspect it is that there's this many problems with it either in execution or scheme or I mean worst case scenario it's all those things piling on top of each other which might make it unfixable this year that sort of thing I think is what hurts the most for for fans I think if it was just a loss it's kind of like the Georgia Clemson thing I mean Clemson didn't look good in that loss I mean they didn't move the ball at all against this Georgia defense Um, but I think when you lose on a neutral field to the team that some people are ranking number one that early in the year if you're a Clemson fan I don't know that you're like despairing about it I think you see a door open still that Ohio State fans don't see right now partially because of the opponent but then also partially because of how the the loss played out so I will say that the thing I want to interject here is that I do think to some degree the Clemson Georgia conversation just does not apply to Ohio State because I don't even know when the last time was that Ohio State truly played an equal opponent in the regular season it might be Oklahoma probably Baker Mayfield Oklahoma is it and and I'll tell you that's last on the list. That's the one that people are the most okay with, which everybody would, is like the obvious choice. It's like, oh, what? The Heisman winner came and like 
beat JT Barrett. What a shock. Also, everybody wanted to bench the quarterback after that loss, by the way, including me. So like we can act like, ah, that was the one that was no big deal. All they wanted to do after that loss was bench the all-time leader in every quarterback stat for a guy who looked good throwing balls after practice that week. Oh, those were the days. Why is Dwayne doing that? So, so, so basically, we should expect to see Quinn Ewers when we walk in there this out this evening. We're recording this on Wednesday, throwing sixty yard bombs, and one of us should record it so we can basically do a remix of Doug's story from twenty seventeen. If Quinn Ewers is in there today? throwing bombs while the media is there, we are breaking in live for an emergency Buckeye talk on the scene. I want you guys to start yeah. live streaming. We are here live, Quinn Ewers. Uh, so, even that loss, but. But so like the Clemson and Georgia, they just don't get in a lot of situations like that. Most of the time, Nathan, it's not a, it's not a reasonable loss from ter- in terms of, well, the other team was better. But it's, it's more like how bad did they play in the course of losing to a team that they should beat? Because they just like what they lose to Bama. I don't think anyone's going to be right in six years or whatever it is. So it is weird. It makes me feel like a crazy person to overreact to every loss. But it's like, well, it's because every time you lose, you lose to a worse team. So like... Well- but I think that's also part of it specifically for Ohio State fans because every program deals with this in some way. Even if you're a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team, you're occasionally going to lose to like a, a MAC team or an you know probably not an FCS team. But you know what I'm saying, like a lower-level mid-major team, and that changes – it recalibrates your expectations for that season. And I think for Ohio State fans, part of why a loss like this smacks them in the face so much is that so much of the program is kind of predicated on – Everybody else has to rise up to your level and kind of play perfect in order to beat you almost. And in a loss like this kind of makes you think, oh, we've been pulled down to like a more ordinary tier like that. We've been pulled down out of that elite tier for this year. And maybe we're just more vulnerable week to week. And that's an uncomfortable place to be because that's not what your Ohio State fandom is based on. The point of Oklahoma. Go ahead. Go ahead. To the point of Oklahoma being last, so to bring this one into perspective, and at some point we're going to get into the Virginia Tech World loss as well, all those are week two, which are early to non-conference opponents, which I think is always better. If you're going to lose a game, lose it early to a non-conference opponent and not some conference opponent that you should have wiped the floor with late, and it's still on everybody's mind two or three weeks later when the committee is trying to put the last four teams in. I agree with that, but also like they made it by the skin of their teeth in 2014. I don't they think did. we can use 2014 exactly as an example of, well, see, they had one loss and they were fine. It's like they were barely fine because the Big 12 didn't have a championship game and because they won 59 to nothing in the Big 10 championship game. Like those two things I think had to happen in concert for them to get in. It very, very, very nearly kept them out, regardless of what they did the rest of that year. And most of that season, most people thought it was going to keep them out. And then in 2018, yes, it was a later loss, but one loss kept them out. It, it absolutely, I think Ohio State's lesson from the playoff is not, even though they won a national championship with one loss, I still think the lesson is more one loss can keep you out more than you can get in with one loss. You know, I just, be, just mm-hmm. the way things have. Now, to your point, Stephen, yes, I do agree. Like earlier is better, but. I still think – I thought maybe it's like the loss itself, that any loss is so shocking that the loss itself, which is why like a 12-team playoff world would change things. Because if it's just the, the loss, it's just the fact of losing because how it affects your national title hopes. When a 12-team playoff world, it affects it in a much different way. So I did ask some questions about that. Hold on. 
Hold on a second. Got to check this. Football decides to part ways with negative feelings of our Oregon loss and move forward. Okay. I don't think they needed a press release. I'm just going to say it. I think I, I'm a little surprised by it too, but I think they're I think, we knew, I think, I think they're trying that. to uplift, right? I mean, I think it's a press release to uplift the fan base. Football decides to part ways with negative feelings over Oregon loss and move forward. Well, good for them. Good for them. Um, okay, so <laughs> when they do actually send the press release in the middle of this, time, yeah, I'll get nervous <laughs> now. Every time decision, you stop, it's going <laughs> to really you're taking the teeth out of that. Last two, the last two were fake. I mean, again, this is a good thing about doing a show that people hear. <laughs> hashtag hashtag the last, fight. The last two were the last two were fake, and I'm not making light of anyone's job being on the line. I'm making light of just funny journalism headline breaks. Okay, so Stephen thought the Purdue loss was the worst one for probably that the fans would pick. Nathan, what what would your guess be? And I understand it's harder. I mean, I covered all these. I'm not going to make a guess because I saw the results before. You know. I could guess 14 Virginia tech, 15 Michigan state, 16 Penn state, 17 Oklahoma and Iowa, 18 Purdue, 21 Oregon. What do you think would be the one that fans would felt have felt the worst about in the moment, Nathan? I think there's a very interesting distinction between a loss that you think is going to keep your team out of the playoff and a loss that you think is going to keep a championship team out of the playoff i sort of wondered if the Mm, michigan state 2015 loss that is a great way to phrase that by you i thought that the michigan state 2015 loss might win and i don't have as much perspective having not been like here and around ohio state at that point but that's the one that i think people still i still hear them talk about that in a different way i think the the purdue iowa losses kind of fit into what i was just saying about how much it sort of rattles how you feel about Ohio State in some ways and but the 2015 loss is one people look back at and say that was a team that they might have been able to win another national championship in 2015 if not for that loss I mean you could be a back-to-back national championship if not for that loss dynasty that's the word thrown out there in many dynasty in their hands and that is the one that won Michigan State did win and Purdue was second so you guys got the top two, but to your point, Nathan, those are very different types of feelings. I think one is like literally, Oh my God, they just blew the national title. And the other is, Oh my God, that just happened. I can't, I'm like shocked as an Ohio state fan. I'm almost embarrassed that we lost to a team of that level. It's going to keep us out of the playoff probably, but like, Oh my God, like it, 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 it shakes my belief about, who we are as a program, right? That like, are we not like, we can't, we can't tackle Purdue. Who are we? Whereas Michigan state is like, you knew it was more like a blip, right? That that 2015 team struggled getting an offense together all year, but you knew all the talent was there, right? In 2018, you lose to Purdue. You're like, are they bad on defense now? So I do think the 2021 loss, even though this is more like, it's more, it's like the Virginia Tech loss, as we've all said, in that it's week two against a non-conference opponent at home. I actually think to some degree it's a lot like the Iowa and Purdue loss, and that it's more foundation shaking, right? That I do think that that with the Virginia Tech defense, that was a young quarterback. 
they were playing a young quarterback and they had trouble with a defense and their offense wasn't working. And it was like, well, it's a young quarterback. Maybe they'll get it together. And then they did. This was, they played the young quarterback, the young quarterback threw for 484, but there's this fundamental thing. And sort of like the, some of the Iowa stuff was like, Iowa was like, is there something fundamentally wrong with this offense? JT Barrett's not it. Like what's going on? Purdue was, is there something fundamentally wrong with this defense? They can't stop anybody. Oh my God, is there something wrong? This feels a little more fundamental, I think, and what people are wondering about. And that is a very different kind of loss. And I'm just like intrigued by that. And we'll talk about that more on the other side. I want to go through the rankings. And then I want to talk about how the playoff would or wouldn't affect how people view this because we've talked about it a lot. I want to talk how we think Ryan Day would view this if it would change it if there was a 12-team playoff right now. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Stephen back. We're going to probably have to cut this short. Um, this uh, Ryan Day announces assistant coach fired up to take on Tulsa. Okay. Ryan Day announces assistant coach fired up to take on Tulsa. Okay, okay. Again, I'm not sure why that would be a press release. But it's good to know that everybody's on board and, and ready for Saturday. This, this is too many press releases from Ohio State. Uh, number one, Michigan State. I thought that was the best one. That would get the least reaction. I guess it's a bit. Well, done. you got it. You're, you're saturating it's it now. Oh, yeah. It should have been like you're, one you per it. segment. It's not even that. It's just wait a little while. Let us get into a heated debate about something else and then randomly just stop it and go, listen, there's a press release. I'm too excited. I'm too excited. I got a whole list. <laughs> Why do you think I had to start the podcast late? It's, the only, list. it's like the only preparation we did for this podcast was done. <laughs> with press releases. Fake. So writing out fake press releases. Fake press, fake press releases. Buckeye talk. He, he canceled a signing for his book to write up those press releases today. Uh, a press release of author releases book on program in aftermath of devastating losses is actually a press release that we may put out this week. Michigan State 1.89 was by far the number one pick for the for the loss that felt the worst. Purdue 2018 2.90. Strong second, Iowa 2017, 3.29. And those are by far the three because it's the one that felt like it ripped away a national title, and it's the two that were shocking and felt like it made you feel like, is there something wrong with the program? Number four was Penn State in 2016. This actually surprised me a little bit, but I think people at that moment, like people thought James Franklin might have been on the edge of like getting fired that year. And that was like sort of the beginning of the renaissance of Penn State football and James Franklin proving he's the guy there. So that did, it was a special teams play, right? But it's at, as it turned out, it's at a really good team. And that Ohio State team was not that good. That I, I think actually that Penn State team was better than Ohio State. And it was almost a credit to Ohio State that they were, had the lead in that game as long as they did. But I do understand it was like a shocking play. Sort of like, oh my gosh, they blocked the kick. Here they go. They return it for a touchdown. So I get that. Oregon is fifth. So again, it's 1.89 for Michigan State, 2.90 for Purdue, 3.29 for Iowa, 4.65 for Penn State. That's a big drop. 4.88 for Oregon, 4.97 for Virginia Tech, 5.42 for Oklahoma. So Nathan, the idea that this loss that Ohio State is dealing with right now is, is number five of the seven. 
it's quite a bit behind the top three and it's even behind the Penn State loss. Does that add any perspective here that like, listen, it's not great, but it's not one of the worst. And as Stephen has said, there's time to get past it. Is, is that any, you know, proof that maybe it's not as bad as maybe we're talking about it on this podcast? Again, I think the perspective is important because fans know that you can run the table in the Big Ten, you can win the Big Ten championship, and then in theory you're going to have this one loss, even though it was at home. You're going to they're going to look back. The committee can look back and say, hey, they lost by a touchdown at home to another team that could be like a top ten team at the end of the season. Still for Oregon, I mean, um, now I think the other things we brought up as far as how the committee is going to look at that game as far as the fact that Oregon was missing two of its players, the fact that the committee likes balance and Ohio State doesn't look very good defensively, and we don't know how soon they'll fix that. But I still think fans can bake some of that perspective into how they look at this loss, and because it is so early in the season. But I, I also think that it kind of goes back. I, I wonder how much sometimes does this loss, so which of those two categories that I was mentioning before, a loss that keeps you out of the playoff or a loss that keeps a championship team out of the playoff, does this loss seem like it fits into? Okay, so this, I think, is perhaps like the silver lining of this, right? So here are the paths. Mm -hmm. Here's how this season can shake out. One is they lose again, and it's just like, for the first time in a long time, they're just not good enough. They're not good enough on defense. They have a young quarterback. It's just not their year. Not that it's a rebuilding year, but like this was going to happen. We just had a wrong read on it. For Ohio State, this is a down year. And so, yeah, you were disappointed by the Oregon loss, but guess what? This was just a team that was going to lose a couple games. They were not going to be able to sort of like fake their way through the season, right? And so how are you that upset when it was like they just weren't good enough? Okay, get ready for 2022. That's possible, right? And I do think, guys, like in that world, Stephen, if that's what shakes out, now, I'm not a, if they lose to Michigan, people are going to be upset. That applies to every season. So I'm not going to blow off a Michigan loss. But if they lose to Indiana or they lose to Penn State, or even if they get to the Big Ten championship game and lose to a good Iowa team and like, well, they're not in the playoff, but what are you going to do? Like, they just weren't good enough. How upsetting then is this Oregon loss in that context? Or does it help sort of make this loss reasonable? More sour taste disappointing that, you know, Alabama blew you off the field in the national title game and you couldn't really respond the next year. More of that than upsetting, I guess, if they lose again because it puts you in perspective and kind of humbles you a little bit as a fan base for a year. While if they don't lose again and it's just like they just don't make the okay, playoff. Now don't they, go, don't okay, go to the thing. I'm asking you okay. I'm piece by piece. We're right, talking yeah, about just, if they lose again, does it provide perspective of they just weren't good enough? Yeah, but you you said it still would be a little bit sour, though. But I do think every now and then and fans don't like to hear this, but they would use the heck out of it. Remember when Bama lost to LSU and it was like, hey, angry Bama. And I, you know, like, I mean, what if you got angry Ohio State some year? Like, hey, we're coming off the worst season we've had in 10 years. You get angry Ohio State in 2022. There are worse things. Nathan, do you agree with that idea at all of like, you know what, if they lose again, it's take, it takes some of the sting out the out of the Oregon loss individually because they just weren't good enough. A little bit, um, I, I, and it again, context is going to be important. Let's say they lose to Penn State, twenty-one to seventeen, or something. Or that's probably a low score, twenty-eight to twenty-four, something like that. And so that's your two losses that you end the regular season with is to Oregon and Penn State, who might both be top ten teams. They were both at home, but but competitive, close losses. And the other thing that's going to get baked into this now is the playoff is expanding eventually. And so now the Ohio state becomes kind of one of these teams that will always look back and say like, 
maybe this team by the end of the year was growing into something and in a 12 year team playoff would have would have been able to do something with it but in this context uh, we'll get left we have out. right in this context that i'm asking about right now because i have nine questions about the 12 team playoff and six survey questions when we okay. get to that press release Co-hosts insist on moving to other topics while host is trying to keep them on one question. Okay, so so that's so I think that's a scenario. They lose again, and the general vibe is they just weren't good enough. It wasn't their year. It was a weird year at Ohio State, but it's a young quarterback and a defense that's lacking a little bit, and you can see how it'll be better in 2022. Another context is they get their stuff together, they win out, and they make it. Now, that's far from guaranteed, but Nathan, you're making that point. Like Virginia Tech is, is an example of that. I'm not saying that's like a that wouldn't give everybody that shouldn't put anybody at ease that it's definitely going to happen, but it's possible. That's possible, and then it's like, well, it didn't matter. It practically motivated you. It might have been. I hate silver lining losses, kind of crap. But it's like if you did get better after the fact and you made the playoff, there's no effect. There's none. So then, who cares about the Oregon loss? It's like the Virginia Tech loss. You did it. That's on the table. So that's a path, clearly, that might happen for this team, right? Yeah, I think it it most applies if if you had won this game, if Ohio State had won this game and then didn't make like significant changes and just kept trying to coast along, then that's worse than if they lose this game, make significant changes, drastic changes, whatever that in- entails, and then that corrects things and they move forward. Like I guess you can make that argument. Um, because you never, you never like to have one loss because it throws you down into this really messy, um, pile of a bunch of teams that could have one loss that all have very sketchy resumes. And now you're just on the whim of the committee as opposed to sort of forcing your way in. But I I do think that it's, it's, it's on the table that this team figures things out. I think it's the loss hit at the, uh, the best time in some ways, because now you have back to back weeks against opponents. You should be able to beat regardless to, game test some of this stuff in actual games. So the other thing too, just on the first scenario, like if people are saying, what are you talking about losing again? That means the defense is still bad, whatever. Then there's a new defense next year. Like there's no doubt about it. It's like the more games you lose next year, the more they're going to pay next year's defensive coordinator. Like they were 24 and 0 in the regular season under urban Meyer, but he didn't like how the defense was playing. And then they lost to Michigan state in the big 10 championship game. And then he went to Arkansas and said, Chris Ash, how much does it take? And they got a guy who had been great at Wisconsin, was good at Arkansas, and he came here and reshaped the defense, and they won the national title. So, like, th- that's the thing of, like, if you're, if you're like, Doug, what do you mean that first scenario would be okay? I guarantee it would lead to wholesale changes in how they play defense and who calls that defense next year. All right, so those are two scenarios. Multiple losses, you're just not good enough. No more losses, you make the playoff. I think the Oregon sting is taking a, taken away in both of those scenarios. And I think, Stephen, those two scenarios encompass some decent chunk of what might happen, right? You went out and you get in, you lose again, and you're just not good enough. I don't know that I, I don't think that's 90%. I think it might be more than half, though. It might be more than half, those two combined. So to what, Nathan, what you were saying, the other two scenarios are this. One is like, so the other two scenarios are you don't you don't lose again, but you don't get in, right? And that's the worst case. But there are two ways that could shake out. One is you're clearly not good enough. You're escaping by the skin of your teeth against a conference that doesn't really have any quarterbacks 
that can take advantage of this defense. And so they get to the end and they're fifth on where they're sitting there on selection Sunday. We think they might be in. They're not. They're fifth, they're sixth. And some segment of the fan base, and I don't love this conversation, is like, well, thank goodness we don't have to play Georgia or Oklahoma or Bama and get our doors blown off. I'm not even that upset we didn't make it. All the Oregon loss did was save us from embarrassment in the playoff. And then the other scenario is they get it together. They're really good. You're like, man, C.J. Stroud has got it. They fixed the defense. They're playing some of these young guys in a mucked up year with no super team. They're as good as anybody. And then they're fifth. And then it's like, oh, my God. If we could have played 20% better defense, we would be in a position where Ohio State could win a national title. So, Stephen, those are those are the four scenarios to me. Two, I think Ohio State fans, you wind up, okay, what are you going to do? One, there's some relief from some part of the fan base, and there's only one where you feel like, oh, my God. Like, what do you think? Do you think – am I missing a scenario here? And, and which one do you think is more likely? And just how do you think fans – should be processing this as we're sitting here now. I don't know which one is more likely because it's hard because this defense is awful. I know which one hurts more. It's the, if you get it together and don't get in because you felt like you were rolling and it just didn't, it still didn't matter what you couldn't overcome what happened at the beginning of the season, even though you learned from it and you were better from it for it, because they're not going to go from giving up 30 plus points per game to giving up seven points per game. They're going to go to at best giving up 17. And I don't know if that's going to be, it it might not be enough just to improve and still be a middle of the pack defense might not be enough. And that stings because that's not really in your control anymore. While if you're just escaping opponents, it's just, you know, the entire time because you got exposed at the beginning of the year, we're not good enough. We know we're just escaping games because we have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and an offensive line who should be better going forward and our quarterbacks getting better every single week. But you still know deep down in your heart, you're not a playoff team. So it always hurts more to know you're a playoff team and still not get in. What's more likely right now, just, I mean, I lean towards they get better because this is like, I mean, you're in the basement right now. You can literally only go for, go up. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they just stayed in the basement the rest of the year. Basement of their hearts, not basement of the Big Ten, like basement of like. Yeah, 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 yeah. basement of what Ohio State is supposed to be, which yeah. is still better than like everybody in the two. Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Nathan, how do you think this is getting at your distinction, Nathan, of is it an Ohio state team being kept out of the playoff or is it an Ohio state team that can win the championship being kept out of the playoff that you astutely noted. That is sort of the difference there between the last two scenarios I put out. And because look at 2018, as much as the Purdue loss hurt, don't you feel like the way that Nebraska game went and then especially the way the Maryland game that went kind of just amplified that loss and I, I, that's what I kind of wonder about with this team. Like, it, I, I think not running the table is one thing, but running the table the right way is going to be crucial. So you're asking which I think is most likely at this stage of, of the four scenarios. I think it's probably, I think the most likely scenario might be that Ohio State does improve because I kind of agree with Steven that I think there's, there's enough talent here. And especially because these next two weeks, they have enough time to kind of figure some things out. I think they have to improve but that it is not enough cosmetically, even if they run the table. That's tricky, though, because they're running the table means you're going to have some pretty good wins. 
You're going to beat Penn yeah. State. You're going to beat Iowa or somebody like that in the Big Ten Championship game, probably. Um, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan might be different. De- Michigan Indiana. is in the top yep. 25 now. Indiana's maybe. If Indiana beats Cincinnati on Saturday, now considering their only loss was at Iowa, that's going to push them back up in people's minds. So I think that there, it doesn't matter how you beat those teams. If you start winning enough of those games, yeah, I don't know. So I this might be on the offense I, I too. Like, but I feel like I'm a little bit on the fence as to where I don't know which of those two scenarios, the, the, the loss that keeps you out of the playoff or loss that keeps a championship team out of the playoff. I don't know which of those I think this applies to right now, because I think I lean towards the latter, but I, I can't say for sure, because if Ohio State starts beating those teams, it's hard to argue that they probably belong in the conversation again. Also to use the Oklahoma 17, 18 comparison, the defense doesn't have to be elite. It just has to be competent, especially yeah. if this offense gets back to a place where it's scoring 40 points a game, which it should be, which is part of the problem. They didn't do that on Saturday. So if they start finishing off drives and Ohio State is scoring 42 points, even if they're giving up 24, that's a solid case to be a four seed because, quite frankly, that's what Oklahoma was in 17 and 18. They – even 19 to a degree, they were just scoring a lot of points and put enough defensively to for it to not be, hamper them until they obviously got into the playoff and got smacked around. So I'll say this, a lot of this, and, I, and again, this is one of those discussions. I don't know if people like this or not. This is a lot of feelings to talk. How do you feel? It's like, I want to talk about the middle linebacker, but how do you feel about it? It's hard for fans of a team and a program this good to feel irrelevant. And that is something that they do not often feel. And in the playoff world, if you're not in the playoff discussion, I think you can feel that way when you're a blue blood, right? It's not like Purdue and Maryland aren't like, oh man, we're not in the playoff discussion. We're irrelevant. Cause it's like, man, you're trying to make a bowl. You're trying to beat a top 25 team. You're trying to get to eight wins for the first time since something. There are a lot of mini goals out there. There are not many mini goals for Ohio state at this point. Right. I mean, beating Michigan is not a mini goal. That is a fundamental goal. I would never call that a mini goal. Winning a Big Ten championship, still a big deal. But honestly, if you're not in the playoff discussion, I think being in the discussion, there's two things I think that would make for a continued successful season for Ohio State. One is, are you in the, do you get back in the discussion? Like, are those Tuesday nights when they have the playoff releases in November interesting for you? Do you feel like, oh, okay, well, that last week they were 12. Oh, they're up to nine. Here they come. Now, if they just beat this team and they have one loss here and then all of us, right? I think that's fun. It's I think it's fun to cover. So I think that's fun for Ohio State. It's just like, oh, they're 18th. Because now they're, you know, they're eight and two. Oh, they're 17th, right? You just don't get to have that as part of your season. So if they can be in the discussion, even if they don't make it, I think that makes for an enjoyable season. And then the second thing is, do you see things happening that make you think they can win the national championship in 2022? So it's not bailing on this season, but is it like, oh man, I look at JTT. Oh my God. Can you imagine how JTT, how good JTT is going to be as a sophomore? Like, holy moly, Jackson Smith and Jigba in year three, when he's the number one guy, he's going to be awesome. Like, oh, I can't wait for Paris Johnson to get the tackle. He's going to win the outland. You know, oh man, Jordan Hancock is flashing, man. He and Jalen John, Jaqueline Johnson are going to lock it down. Denzel Burke, Hancock, and Johnson next year as your three top corners is going to be unbelievable, right? There's a lot of that that I think people can feel. CJ Stroud, man, that guy's going to win the Heisman next year. Oh my, Trivion Henderson, are you joking me? I think he might be as good as Zeke. There's a lot of that that even if you lose again, 
even if you have close calls, even if you have weird things happening, I think fans can get really excited about. But Nathan, I think they, for this season to be fun and successful for the fans, one of those two things at least has to happen. That you can feel 2022 building and or you remain in the mix for the playoff discussion basically year long, even if you don't make it in the end. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing because I've been thinking about this a lot too. Like how much should last Saturday's loss affect what we have been expecting Ohio State to be in 2022, 2023, especially, right? Like we've been kind of talking about them all sort of cresting on this wave here the next couple of years. And even when we thought this could be a down year a couple of, you know, a while back, like maybe this would be the dip year before some of these guys came back. That I think we always thought 2022, 2023 were going to be pretty promising years, regardless of what the playoff structure is. So that's kind of where I am right now, that I think all of those things that we expected to be strong points in 2022 and 2023 are still on the table. They're on the table more than ever, actually, because Quinn Ewers is already on campus. He's already a college quarterback now, learning how to be a college quarterback, growing in that system, getting his feet under him here, maybe getting snaps this year at some point. So I feel like that's an important part of what you're talking about, that as frustrating as it could be, if this season falls off of a a playoff trajectory completely, that I don't think it affects really how strong this team could be in 2022 and 2023. I don't see there aren't failures happening right now. Other than I suppose someone could say having to make a change of the defensive leadership. We'll see how that plays out over 10 weeks. But I don't think that I don't see things that are such a problem right now that are that aren't going to get somewhat answered by just these very, very young guys in important positions on defense, especially growing into and accepting bigger roles in the next two years. Steven, before you speak here for a second, that is the main thing, right? Is that do you see hope for the defense? And again, as we said, if there are this many fundamental structural problems, they're going to change who's in charge of it. There's no doubt about that. But Steven, should we have the belief that if you do believe the talent is not quite there right now, that it's going to be there in 2022 and 2023 with the recruiting they are doing with, with the current true freshmen who are already on campus, the talent possible issue on the defense that's showing up this season, isn't there every reason to believe that that will be better in 2022 and 2023? Yeah, they're fixing even the defensive back recruiting, which obviously went haywire for a little bit. They're fixing it to an extent. And I think obviously you lost Jaheim Singletary, but Denzel Burke is kind of. I don't want to say making it a non-factor, but he's helping ease that. The fact Mm -hmm. that you don't have a five star. If a kid who you kind of took a flight. It's when you get a kid who you can take a flyer on and he pops. I mean, Chris Olave did it for the wide receiver room and now they get five stars every year. So They they lost Trayvon Grimes. Trayvon mm-hmm. Grimes transferred, and it was like, well, we have this guy who yep. is what in recruiting you thought Trayvon Grimes could be. Jaheim Singletary decommits. It's like, well, we got this guy mm-hmm. who was barely even a cornerback in high school, was in the 300s, and he's playing like a five-star. So that that fixes that. So to the point of, yes, the talent is going to be there. They got to figure out free safety. Um, the two guys they want are obviously still out there on the board, and we'll see what they do in the next couple of months here. But they got to figure out that. But other than that, uh, every other spot, the talent is going to be there. The question is, are the right people in place to teach those talent and develop those talent in place right now, not named Larry Johnson, because obviously we know he can do that job, on defense especially. And and they'll make the changes. They will. I mean, it'll be a test for Ryan mm-hmm. Day. Um, and we've covered that. But but I don't think – I mean, the idea of like, oh, well, here we're back again with the same system. Like, that's – it's just – if it's bad, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And 
if they change the scheme or whatever, and they show a bunch of improvement, then they've showed the improvement and then you don't have the same worry. So I, I just think the idea that, that that would linger, that lingered into this year. That was a tough thing. And as Ryan Day said, it was COVID related. You couldn't really get a feel. You don't want to bail on a guy in one year. You're like, right. You just couldn't get a feel for last year for what was real and what was COVID. So you kind of let it hang. You kind of ran it back again when maybe it wasn't good enough to run back again the exact same way. And that just, that just won't happen in 2022. So I do think there are a lot of ways where this winds up like, it's okay. Like stuff happens, right? I mean, nobody wins a national championship every year. Nobody makes a playoff every year. So, but you still can make the playoffs. So I, I just was looking for some context here. I hope we brought a little context to that, but I want to dig in specifically on the structure of the sport because Ryan Day Nathan, this like he practically spoke it into existence as much this offseason as he said, one loss ruins your season. It was like, I don't know. What do you what do you mean by that? You've never. Oh, you like this? Oh, oh, what? like uh, this one. Is it good? Is it bad? And that's what we asked texters about. I'm going to get to some answers about that. For instance, this kind of answer from the 314. It's great that a single loss can derail a season. That makes college football great, even when it derails Ohio State season. If the college football playoff expands, I'll feel just like I did about the Browns over the weekend. If that was college football, that loss would have been soul-crushing, especially how it happened. But in the NFL, you leave with the, well, that sucked. Anyways, on to next week kind of feeling from the 314. Nathan, that like crystallized it, right? So then the question is, do you want to be devastated by a loss or do you want to be like, ah, people lose. What are you going to do? And I think it's just a personal choice. We didn't really ask Ryan day this specifically because we just got so in the weeds with the, what are you going to do with the defense on Tuesday? But I I'm pretty sure Nathan, his answer is I'd rather have the thing where you can lose and survive and get better and come back. And you don't have to win every game to win a national title. I think he made that pretty clear with his preseason comments what do you think is better, Nathan? What is better for college football? And there was some kind of feeling with the playoff expansion, I think, that Ohio State was right in this very small window of teams that was not helped by expansion. Because if you're not one of the blue bloods that gets in regularly, then expanding is opportunity. Like you basically have no shot now, and now you're going to have a shot. Great. But if you're Ohio State, Right now, you're, you're held to a very high standard. Every loss is devastating. That puts everybody on edge kind of in a fun, exciting way during the regular season. And if Ohio State knows it's always going to make the playoff with one loss, then who cares if you lose one? It changes the structure of the feeling of the regular season for Ohio State. Nathan, do you think that's good or bad? Well, Ohio State knows it isn't going to make the playoffs every year that it loses one game because it or you're saying in the new in the in 12 the in the 12 in the 12 they would yeah, make it every I, time that's the point yeah they oh, don't know it now and in the 12 they would know it but I think it, Ohio State was absolutely one of the teams that was held by this they would have been in the playoff every year if they had been a 12 team so here's so that, I mean that's again where sometimes we talk about what I'm saying is people would say Ohio State's sort of importance of the regular season is not aided by this that if you are a if okay. you're cincinnati and it's like hey cincinnati like you've got to go undefeated and you still probably won't get in so what's the point you're not going to get in but now it's like well there's a spot for you even if you lose one you can get like it's just if you're not oklahoma ohio state georgia alabama i think you could make the argument that it intensifies everybody else's regular season 
because you go from very little opportunity to some opportunity. The, the Blue Bloods go from pretty good opportunity to almost assured opportunity for the playoff. And does that take away some of the excitement of the season? It increases, of course. When you go from 4 to 12, it increases everybody's chances of getting in. But does it diminish the importance of the regular season? That's the argument that I would make that for anyone making it the diminishes importance of the regular season argument, I think it might only apply to four teams, but one of them is Ohio State. I, I don't know. For me, you're asking, like, how do I feel? Like, for me, I want to see the best teams have a chance to win a national championship. That applies to Ohio State in 2015, where one loss shouldn't have necessarily deprived them of that. It applies to Penn State in 2016. I think that Penn State team deserved a chance to get on the field with the other best teams in the country. I, just as a college football fan, I want to see if there's more than four teams, and sometimes it feels like there's only three. But in the years where there's like five or six or whatever, like I feel no, like it I needs know. to get opened up. I want to see those teams compete no, I know. for national championship. Yeah, but for Ohio <laughs> State, for Ohio State, do you think it's better for Ohio? If you were an Ohio State fan, would you like that the devastating loss is lessened or would you feel like the whole regular season is lessened? I want to live in fear of the devastating loss. We know what the playoff deal is for everybody else. I don't, th- I don't, th- I don't know. I-, I find it hard to believe that they'd want to live in fear because a-, a season like this, again, it goes back to the context of whether a team you think did a team that could make the playoffs lose or did a championship team lose because right. you're going to trade those years where a team that didn't deserve to get that 2018 team probably wasn't going to really contend for a national championship, right? There were other problems. There, the, the problems were systemic enough that the Purdue loss was sort of just a symptom of the bigger problems, but like the 2015 team probably had a chance to win a national championship. I think you would trade the chance for the 2015 team to actually get in and win as opposed to the 2018 team, not being able to limp in. I don't know. I don't know. That's a different conversation. I don't know. Maybe the 2018 the team could have competed. Uh, no, I mean, I'm talking oh, about okay. – I, I, I think the 2018 team probably could have competed, especially what we know now and how Clemson just picked apart Alabama through the air, the way Ohio State had been doing all the I, That's not the – I would have – I wouldn't have see, minded yeah. seeing Dwayne and Ryan Day calling the shots mm-hmm. and Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and J.K. Dobbins. I wouldn't have minded seeing them take a shot. Like, yeah, I'll that's... always be curious about that. Even if it would have been like, nope. Not it. No, they, mm-hmm. oh no, that was, that looked a whole lot like the 31 nothing Clemson lost in 16. I don't think that was a guaranteed thing. I think they had a puncher's chance that I kind of wish they would have gotten a shot at. It, it would that's have been 31 nothing. It would have been 62 to 31. Correct. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. I, but that's what, that's what makes 2018 so complicated. It's like they would have put up points, you know? So, uh, but that, that the, the question is, is not that. The question, I think it just changes the narrative instead of focusing so much on, like right, right now, it's is Ohio State going to make the playoff? Not are they going to compete? Not are they going to win a national title? Are they just going to make it? When you know you're going to make it anyway, now you can stop focusing on that and go, all right, are we going to still – is this team still good enough to win a national title? And I don't know if that's the conversation when you immediately lose right now. I, so I, think, it changes the, I think it changes the importance of the regular season, though. I don't know that it diminishes it completely, but, like, imagine a scenario now. Ohio State then now ends up losing to Penn State in that scenario I talked about before, 28-24, whatever. Doesn't even make the Big Ten Championship game. That two-loss Ohio State team still makes the playoff, right? Not guaranteed, but would certainly be in the yeah, mix, for sure. It'd be like a 9-10 seed, probably. I mean, even if they snuck in at number 12, they're still in the mm-hmm. playoff. And then yeah. – that you're still following this team over the regular season to see what kind of de- improvement is there so that when they get their chance in the playoff, 
what happens. Like I still, I think it's still, I understand what people are saying as far as it diminishing um, <clears throat> the importance of each single regular season game, as far as how much it could capsize your season. But I think you still now in an, in this new world, you actually get to follow a team all the way through a season in a different way and still have a different kind of payoff at the end. Potentially, but It will be the NFLification of the mindset of college football fans, because I do think if you can lose, it makes it easier to schedule better games, right? So you're going to play more good opponents, the Alliance, right? Whatever. They might be in a world where they're playing Alabama in a non-conference game, and then they're playing a good Pac-12 team and a good ACC team. That is a heck of a fun non-conference schedule. Great. Let's do it. But does it lessen the fun of that big time game against a great opponent where if you lose, that's eh, fine. It's a measuring stick. Like it's a measuring stick. I mean, yeah. so, but that's but, not, that is not how college football fans absorb anything right now. There are no measuring sticks in college football. There is the potential for devastation. Now, maybe you'll survive it, right? We've seen there plenty of one-loss teams make it, but no one-loss team is guaranteed to make it. Not really, not really. So I don't know. Will I, like let, this is a great this is a great text from the four one nine. Losses are difficult to discuss, as you mentioned. I was born in the eighties and grew up in the nineties as a diehard Ohio State fan. So as much as it's probably not healthy, some of those losses in the nineties literally changed my life. I was a trash-talking middle school kid in Mansfield, Ohio telling all the Michigan fans how we were going to kick their butts. And then after the 1995 and 1996 games, I was at the 96 game. I had to go to school with my tail between my legs. Since then, I don't talk any trash about anything or assume anything, no matter how obvious it seems because of those games. I was also at the 98 loss to Michigan state and the 15 loss to Michigan state and losing those games with such great OSU teams, which kept them from a chance at a title is still so haunting. Having said all of that, one of the things I love about college football is the nervousness and fear that a loss can be devastating to a season. I think that is unique to college football and one of the things that makes it so much fun. I think the four-team playoff is a perfect blend of allowing a handful of teams access to the playoff while still making the regular season important. A 12-team playoff would probably be good for my mental health because the stress of one loss wouldn't be so much. But I also think it will cheapen the regular season, which I still think is the best in all of sports. People get these texts on their phone, right? I'm assuming people write these on their phone. I cannot believe someone wrote that on their phone. That's like a poem about college football. That usually is the an... grammar is like pretty good. Like the, they, they do a pretty good job. Like mine would be all autocorrected and. They probably write it in. They probably write it in notes and then copy and paste it because it just might be an easier thing to do. That is some good stuff. Like that is it, right now. I know there are people listening to this who disagree with that. We might disagree with that. There might be a majority, maybe a vast majority, of college football fans or Ohio State fans who would disagree with that. But Nathan, that sentiment exists, and the reason this is interesting. I never wrote about it in the preseason because I don't write anymore. But when Ryan Day was talking about all of this stuff and how one loss ruins your season, I am so fascinated by the idea of though a loss is devastating, the threat of the devastating loss gives me life. It's like a haunted house. It's not, listen, it's not just when they jump out. It's when you're walking down the hallway and you're worried 
they're going to jump out. Why do people go to haunted houses? Because it makes you, I don't know why they go. I don't go to them. They scare the crap out of me. I don't go to haunted houses. By the way, this is a complete opposite from the conversation we were having a couple weeks ago about how you guys go like read about the horror movies before you watch them so that you're not scared when the things happen. But nothing about that. The horror movie, if you gave me the haunted house, like how it was going to go before I went, then I'd be fine with that. Oh, that guy's going to pop out there. I don't need to go see it myself. But some people who embrace life in a way that Stephen and I do not want that thrill. They oh, oh, my God, it's the fourth quarter. Oh, it's the fourth quarter, and we're coming down the thing. Oh, my God, is that quarterback going to jump out from behind the wall dressed as a ghost and pick off this pass? Oh, it makes life worth living. And then you know what? Now, here's the thing that's different. At the haunted house, nobody actually stabs you. <laughs> as a college football fan, every now and then, <laughs> they jump DJ out. DJ stabs you from 77 yards out. <laughs> Boom! Right through the sternum. Oh, right. It's like, hey, oh, I'm living on the edge. And it's like, oh, CJ Stroud, the little flip to Olave. Oh, it's a foot too high and it's picked. I got stabbed. I get, Nathan, why people appreciate that thrill. And again, I just think maybe it's maybe I'm wrong. And it's because this is the team in cover. Maybe if I covered East Carolina or I covered Rutgers or I covered Wyoming, I would think they were unique, too. This is one of those areas, again, where I feel like Ohio State is kind of uniquely situated, where I'm, I'm for the 12-team playoff, but I do think some degree of, of the regular season thrill will be gone, and it's the thrill of the fear. When you eliminate the fear, you eliminate some of the thrill of not getting stabbed because sometimes you have to get stabbed to really appreciate what happens when you don't get stabbed when you think you might, which is the whole deal. So I thought from that 419, that is one of the best texts we have ever got. It encapsulates so much. And I just think we would, Nathan, I do pretty firmly believe people would still be worried about the defense. But I do think the tone of the conversation would be somewhat, somewhat different, maybe somewhat significantly different if there was a 12-team playoff right now. So I think what would be interesting would be to ask, do, do a poll question about that and then poll that same group of people in 10 years with the same question about how they feel about it. Because I think right now we're comparing one thing that, as you say, is kind of like the essence of college football and has always been against something that we haven't experienced yet, which is like the Cinderella story. The year where Ohio State only gets in as like a nine or 10 seed because they lost twice in the regular season. And then they go ahead and run it like do the, do the again, like I was trying to say before, like do the fan fiction where the 2015 gets in and whatever seed they would have been, whatever route they would have had to take. But they still win a national championship at the end. They still have back to back national championships, 2014, 2015. Like, I still feel like you have to kind of imagine that outcome and weigh that against what you're talking about, which is an exciting part of this sport and a unique part of this sport. But I don't unless you can kind of unless you as a fan experience that second emotion too. I don't know if you can really answer this question fully yet. I think it's going to have, there's going to have to be a time in the future where that second occurrence happens and you have to then balance. Well, do I wish that hadn't happened and I would trade what we used to have, which was just that taut um, high stakes environment week to week to week to week during the regular season. That is a great answer. That is like a great rebuttal 
to that other feeling because there's another possibly as energizing feeling out there that we've ne- nobody's ever experienced yet. That's really good. I will say like, I'm one of those guys who I don't think it's cool when the baseball wildcard team that won 87 games and snuck in like wins the world series. And it's like, Hey, remember those teams that ah, this team won 106 games and this team won 19 fewer games over six months, but they got hot for a month. Cool. I hate that. I think it's silly. I'm like, why are those teams in? They didn't deserve it. So I apply that to pro sports, but there's also not 130 major league baseball teams. Right. The idea that like Major League Baseball is putting 10 out of 30. How many teams are in baseball? I don't I the amount that I care about baseball anymore is remarkable. I used to care about baseball a lot. I don't tell. I I don't even I I mean, I don't write about the Indians. Baseball. Baseball is dead to me. I have just no interest in baseball. It, It hurts my heart a little bit, but that's just where I am. All right. 10 of 30 get in. And in college, we might go be going from four of 130 to 12 of 130. So it's still, but like, I don't like it. I don't like when the ninth best team in baseball wins the World Series. But I don't really think that there's a threat of that happening. Because you just said it. You just said, won't it be cool if Ohio State gets in as a 12 seed and gets in and wins? Yeah, but that's that's you're talking about two different baseball is set up even without a salary cap. It's set up in a different structure. There's a different, you know, because it happens in football, too, where teams have limped in with like nine and seven records and won the Super Bowl. So, like, sometimes in leagues where parity is sort of professional sports is different than the way college sports leagues are structured and teams are structured and teams are put together. I mean, how many times during the playoff era have we seen a four seed get in but really have no business being there? just getting blown off the field. So I think when a team like what I'm talking about, it's going to be a team like an Ohio State that lost to, well, I mean, look at the 2015, it's going to be like 2015 Ohio state. That's the kind of team that wouldn't have got in the playoff before and will get in now and we'll find a way to win a national championship. It's not going to be coastal Carolina. I thought you were going to start talking more about baseball there for a second. Cause I thought maybe I hurt your feelings. Cause I said, I don't like baseball anymore. Cause you still like the Cardinals, right? You still like the Cardinals. I still like uh, baseball as an institution the most. Like that's, I have a lot of like, that's, like my number one like hobby outside of covering this team probably is just following baseball. And then the Cardinals are sort of, but you lose your fandom in all teams as you get farther and farther into this business. I used to really like baseball. That's baseball true. absolutely bores me to death right now. Absolutely bores me. I, I would rather watch like spring training baseball than NBA finals. What? That's so far okay. Why do you have to attack me okay. in this? Okay. That, that was innocent bystander over here. Why did wow. the NBA get brought into this? Didn't have anything to do with you. I wasn't slamming the NBA. I was just describing my level of fandom. I would wow. rather watch playoff football or regular season football than spring training baseball. I'm just saying that, like, that's an example of how much I like baseball compared to other. Sports. You're talking about like Adam Wainwright going three innings against like the Cubs B team or Giannis, and you're like, yeah, yeah man, give me Adam Wainwright. <laughs> Oh man, that's it's, funny. That's just, that's just, by the way, how little my fandom is anymore with specifically for the Cardinals. Like I had written them off like six weeks ago, like, Oh, this season's over. And like, they would make the playoffs today if they happened today, which I just now found out by looking at the standings. So I have I'm no idea behind. what point of the season it is for MLB right now, to be honest with you. I don't even know when the season actually starts anymore. I'm a person who, who, I mean, in my job description, I'm supposed to write about multiple things. So I probably shouldn't be saying that baseball puts me to sleep, but I basically consider myself like a football columnist at this point. You can write about football year round. It's Ohio. 
the Indians, I mean, I was at game seven, the Indians, Cubs, like that was great or whatever, but like generally, like general baseball, it's great for the city of Cleveland when the Indians are good and people are really excited, but like generally what the sport is, whoo, man, I am like a poster boy for like the kind of person that they have lost over the past 30 years. Um, it needs a makeover. It needs, it needs some juice, yeah. not actual, not, not getting juiced again. As they I covered that. Too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, you guys you know. know. I I was like I I covered uh, the freaking everything part yeah. of the Sosa McGuire race. Um, hold on one second though. Ohio State. Ohio State decides Kerry Combs is the fall guy who loves pumpkin spice and the coming autumn season. That's a good one. Ohio State decides Kerry Combs is the fall guy. I don't know. Kerry Combs seems he like loves a, pumpkin a, spice in the coming autumn season. If there's ever pumpkin been a spice. eight cups of black coffee a day guy, Kerry Combs has to be on that list. That was actually he's on his pumpkin spice. That was yeah, a star. Yeah. That was a Starbucks press release. That was not directly from Ohio State. Uh, that was just a, for a pumpkin spice because pumpkin it was a targeted ad. Targeted ad. Targeted ad. It's the fall guy. That one. That's it. That's it for fake headlines. I was up all night watching Norm MacDonald clips. Um, so I'm in that mood. He is <laughs> oh, so sad. He is so funny. He's so funny. Did you watch uh, that? Did you watch the one I told you about the uh, the West Side Story? I'll send you No, that. I haven't That's, seen the West Side Story one. That I might be my favorite norm mcdonald thing ever I, I did watch the moth joke which i had never seen before so anyway here's the other side of the lost thing which gets into sort of the other side of what we were talking about earlier not a loss that like keeps a good team out of a championship but a loss that exposes something this is from the 615 i was surprised by my own answer to this question about how bad this loss would feel in a 12 team playoff world i think i would feel just as bad the goal isn't to get to the playoffs especially a 12 team playoff the goal is to win a championship. I am not sure I believe that we can win the championship this year. The truest disappointment is that this team isn't a championship team, and the Oregon loss proved that. That realization is much more disappointing than the thought, well, at least they will still get in the expanded playoff and have another chance to be demolished by Alabama, Georgia, maybe Clemson, dare I say Oklahoma. I know it's better to have a chance by getting in the playoffs but I just don't have any confidence getting in actually provides any real opportunity to win it all this year. That's like the third side of this argument, Nathan. People are making some very strong arguments here. That is fundamental. This loss sort of blew a hole in my belief in my team. You can structure the season however you want to structure it, Saturday showed me my guys aren't good enough, and that makes me sad. It's not about the structure. That is a very compelling argument as well. This is sort of what I was alluding to before when I said that I think that's what hurts more is when these losses sort of yank the rug out from under a fan base a little bit, and that you think you're on that tier. You think you're, we thought Ohio State was securely in that tier that upper three tier and now they've fallen down into that like messy space where like you start wondering like is Ohio State better than Cincinnati is Ohio State better than Notre Dame and Penn State and Florida and UCLA you can just keep going down the list like how much better is Ohio State than Wisconsin this year 
Like that's that's not a comfortable place for fans. I think I think they like being at the elite and everyone else has to jump up and, and try to like strive to be on their level. And now Ohio state is instead like paddling through quicksand, trying to keep their head above uh, water in this really like just murky. Not I keep describing like the, the top 10 of, <laughs> of college football. as like a cesspool, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's not, that's uncomfortable for them because they've been there before. They know what it's like to go through a season where you're teetering on that brink and how often you end up on the outside and how that then kind of helps define years. It defines eras of, of Ohio State football, how often you get into that, that very, very upper echelon where they think they should be every year. Here's a texter from the 440 kind of in the middle on this discussion, but making great points. I am in the middle on this loss stuff. I think you should be able to have one or two losses and still have a chance at the playoff. However, I would hate if it turned to how the NFL is at times where eight and eight teams can make the playoff. I want there to still be value in each and every game that Ohio state plays, but not have one loss possibly be the end of a season, especially when it happens in week in week two, Steven, I think that is a really interesting middle ground, which is like, that's a pretty good argument for the 12 team playoff, right? That we're not getting eight and eight teams in, mm-hmm. you know, it's conference champs and the very, very best of the rest, but like, Hey, let us live. I think that's a compelling case. Yeah. Cause even, I mean, the eight and eight part, I don't even think you'd get nine and three teams in at this point. Be, everybody in it's going to be at least 10 and two and have a, and either be either have won their conference or finished in the top two. I mean, the, the, the one exception, not to interrupt, but like a couple of years ago, wasn't Northwestern like 0-3 to start the year in non-conference and then won out and made the Big Ten championship game? I think that was 2018, the year that they ended up losing to Ohio State. I think yeah. they ended up like that. So if that team were to somehow then win, they're going to get in because the champion automatically gets in. But but no, it's not going to be like 500 teams very often. And when they do, um, it's still going to be seeded accordingly, I think. so. From the 913, another view. I'm not upset – that Ohio State lost. I'm upset at the hubris, the utter hubris of the current system. I believe the current four-team playoff system distorts losses in a totally egregious manner, as the system is misappropriately biased towards reward-style points perfection. The committee is clearly biased towards Power 5 teams, which not only going go undefeated in the conference, but also do it with a 20 to 30-point margin almost every game. The partner in this crime is the nonsensical preseason ranking. It thoroughly distorts any fair playoff system before the season starts. There's absolutely no reason why any program should have any ranking prior to proving itself by playing at least two games, a non-conference and a conference game. Only then would an emerging sense of each program be adequately ascertained for any ranking. I was in on the hubris. I'm I'm out on the railing against preseason rankings. We wouldn't even, then we'd have no context. We wouldn't even know to say, oh, Ohio State and Oregon are a top. You need the context. It's just historical context. And we've proven that it doesn't affect the playoff committee. So I think that argument is old. But I do think the hubris point of like the structure currently sort of not only demands perfection, but demands like perfection within the perfection. Or if you aren't perfect with your record, you've got to be perfect with how you look at every other game. And I do know, I, I understand that that can be that can be very frustrating. From the two one nine, Doug, I like the high stakes in college football. Originally, I thought I would rank the losses from two thousand twelve to now by point spreadish expectations, but after thinking it through, a big part of it for me was the timing of the loss in the season. The fifteen loss was not only devastating due to our expectations, but also it was late in the season, truly killing our playoff hopes. The 14, 16, 17, 18, and twenty one losses, I remember having a bit of hope to recover, especially this season. Hope for improvement is what I'm clinging to today. 
from the 614, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to regular season losses in college football. I love how every game matters and the excitement that generates. But then the Buckeyes lose, and if it keeps them out of the playoff, I often feel like it's so unfair. Man, this is honest and good. Part of the frustration is that the powers that be seem to punish Ohio State for loss more than an SEC team. It's that often ridiculous quality loss argument. In the end, I just know how much I hate when the Buckeyes lose, and it concerns me that I lose sleep over the results of a game. I'm a 51-year-old woman and should probably be better able to manage my disappointment, but that passion is what makes college football special from the 614. That is another scintillating, awesome text sent by thumbs on a phone about the inherent sort of like, I want other teams to be punished for a loss. I just don't want Ohio State to be punished for a loss, which will lead us after this break to what I think are some very revealing survey results from our textures. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Stephen, I feel like a little bit here, I sort of ordered some of the questions in a certain way to break up a question that I felt was basically the same question with different framing. And I felt like one of those like uh, grad students where you're doing like a psychological experiment. You guys watch the movie where Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt moved to Michigan and she's like a the five-year engagement. It's called. She's like a psychology grad student. It's, it's quite funny. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big Jason Siegel guy. Also is a big Jason, Emily Blunt guy. Is he the guy that was in how I met your mother? Yes. Okay. The tall guy from Minnesota. Yeah. So he's in that and they do, they, it's it's just one of those where, I mean, these, these are kind of like psychological experiments that they do in real life all the time, but it's like you put people in a room and they say, there's a donut sitting there and they say, well, but there's fresh donuts on the way or whatever. Like if you can have one donut now or two donuts later, and it's like people can't help themselves from the one donut. So I feel like I did the one donut experiment with our tech subscribers a little bit. And I did it with this question, these two questions. One question was, and this was the second question of the survey, in theory, as an Ohio State fan, what do you think of the idea of a single regular season loss that could ruin the Buckeyes title hopes? And I put could in capital letters. So it's not could ruin, it's could ruin. I like when inflection changes the meaning. Have I said this on here? We used to say when my kids were in preschool, we'd say, you can't be late for for preschool. Like if you were panicked and it was like, we're running out the doors, like you can't be late for preschool. Like, what are we doing? We can't be late. But if you say you can't be late for preschool, like it's preschool. Nobody cares if you're late. It's fake. You don't have to be there. It's the same words, but the inflection flips the meaning. Like you can't be late or you can't be late. So that could, I wanted to make sure that could didn't throw people off. As an Ohio State fan, the idea that a singular regular season loss could ruin the Buckeyes' title hopes. The choices were, I like it, it makes every regular season game important, or I don't like it, you should have room for one slip-up and still have a title chance. Nathan, what do you think won? As an Ohio State fan, do you want room for error or not? I I like no error, or I don't like no error. Which room for error? Which one? I guess... I don't know. I, I still would think for the same reason that they voted the Michigan State loss as the most devastating, I would think that maybe they would vote don't like it because it more often 
I think they think it's more likely that it keeps a potential championship team out than preserve them, then pushes a non playoff worthy team into the playoff. If they go undefeated against a weak schedule or whatever. Steven, do you agree? Do you think don't like it? One, I don't like the fact that there's no room for error or did they like the fact that every game matters so much? Don't like it. 65, 35. Don't like it. Yeah. And it's recency at, bias helps this vote too. And it's as an Ohio state fan, right? It's as an Ohio state fan, they don't like it. So then I put another question in the middle and then I asked this question in the NFL. No regular season loss is devastating for a great team in college football. A regular season loss can be devastating is the threat of a devastating regular season loss. An important part of college football, right? It's sort of the same. Do you like it or you don't like it? Right. The idea of the loss that could ruin a season. Do you like it or don't like it? But I didn't include Ohio State. I just sort of compared college football to the NFL and I talked about it generally. Right. So in this scenario, 60 percent of people said they like the devastating threat of a regular season loss. So when it's specific to Ohio State, they are 65, 35. I don't like it. When it's not specific to Ohio State, they are 60-40, I do like it. That is kind of a big flip, Nathan. That is a 25-point swing on whether it's about your team or not, which gets back to the texter saying, I feel like a hypocrite. But I do think, obviously, and I'm not making fun of the voters, it's just interesting how you frame things. Well, but also it's it's easier to appreciate the high wire act that every week is when your team so seldom falls off it. Like even as much as there have been one loss seasons that Ohio state's been left out of the playoff and times they thought they should have got in. Like you like the fact that all 12 of those games have huge stakes because you're so likely to go 12 and 0. That makes it easier yeah. to deal with. I think than if you're a team, like, like we think of Ohio state as being the team that's gotten hosed a lot here, but like a team like, I mean, I don't even know who the example would be. There are probably teams in the SEC who would answer it maybe differently. But you're like they, saying that you think it's easier to handle if you're an Ohio State fan. The results were exactly opposite of that. They like it less because they're an Ohio State fan. They like it in general. They hate it as no, an no, Ohio no. State fan. I'm saying that they like the idea of the, the stakes being high because they win so often. But I, I doesn't. I don't. I think it's almost. It doesn't. It's it's almost apples and oranges how they then process that loss. It's I mean, the most human nature thing ever. We love this stuff. We just don't like when it happens to us. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. It's, you know. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is fine. But like you do, I mean, in the end, you, if, if it was like, you're the Dean of college football, pick four or 12, what do you want? Because I think they look at it as almost two different realities, right? Because the reality is Ohio State just doesn't lose that often. They hadn't lost a regular season game since 2018. Like they just, they don't lose that often. And when they do, it's like the world has kind of been turned upside down. Right. And they don't like it. I mean, it's, but it's not, it's the exact same reality. No, I mean, like, it is, yeah, it, is yeah. it is. I'm just saying how they, how people process these things. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's just interesting. I'm not, I mean, it's all, it's fandom. It's Nora. I get it. It's, it's, I'm not surprised by the results. I'm just a little bit intrigued by the results. I would like to write something sort of like in defense of the devastating loss. Right. That as a person who is willing, it's almost like in defense of the devastating loss that is probably going to go away. That I don't I don't think it should be saved, but I would like to appreciate it on its way out the door. But also, if we had had a 12 team system, 
for the last 30 years, John Cooper might have two national titles and a completely different view on his legacy and the history of Ohio State's program would be changed. And we might be playing in the John Cooper Athletic Center. I mean, not really, but there'd be something. Coop's here 13 years. He has two national titles. The John Cooper coaching office. Guess what? The Michigan Michigan records becomes like a, yeah, but but it's not the first thing. Two-time national championship head coach John Cooper, who had a little trouble in the Michigan series, had a wing of a building named for him on Saturday, right? And instead it's like John Cooper, who who couldn't beat Michigan, had a lot of good players and good seasons, but he couldn't beat Michigan. It's real. I made I made this joke on Saturday. We were looking at the seating chart, and John Cooper has like a, a section mm-hmm. of like six or seven seats in the press box. I'm like, man, how many would he have if he had just beat Michigan a couple more times? It's He'd have it like a remarkable. whole press box to himself. It was great. Earl used to be in there all the time, and it'd be like uh, you know, ten years ago, it'd be like the other team would run for sixty yards. It'd be like, oh god, god. It's like who's cheering in the press box? It's like it's Earl. Earl can do it every once. Like, oh sorry. It's like, oh god. It's like. Oh man, that guy, what a character, what a, what a great, uh, fun guy he was. Okay. Here are the general questions that are a little less interesting, but I want to make sure we cover them in general. Do you prefer a four team playoff or an expanded eight to 12 team playoff? Again, I was sort of like greasing the wheels to do my psychological experiment. 75% want the expanded only 11% said four team and 15% said I'm fine either way. So my guess, Nathan, is that 75% 75% won in the expanded playoff might be slightly higher than if we had asked it a week ago, based on the fact that right now Ohio could use the expanded playoff, right? I do think that factors into it. Maybe slightly higher, but again, Ohio State's had other years where it felt like it had a, a shot to win it and didn't even get in. So, Question, does this Oregon loss feel like it could ruin Ohio State's title hopes? Like people right now, how are they feeling about it? Uh, yes, one loss might be enough to keep them out one at 55%. No, I'm confident they'll make the playoff if they win out. Only got 14%. And that middle, not sure. I'm a little worried, but I'm not sure got 30. So again, we kind of throw out the middle. The I really think it could keep them. Um, it, it, it might be enough to keep them out crushed. No, I'm confident they'll be in as a one-loss team. 55-14 was the difference there. That is obviously a, a really, really big difference. And then... If there was a 12-team playoff right now, how would it affect how you view the Oregon loss? Big difference, some difference, no difference. The middle option won, but no difference beat big difference. So 45% said some difference. I'd still have some concerns about the team, but the impact wouldn't be as great. 35% said no difference. I would still be upset about the loss and worried about what went wrong. 21% said big difference. I'd figure teams lose sometimes. All the goals are there. Adjust and move forward. So I do think that is, you know, 79% of people who are saying like, it is not going to completely change my view of losses just because you have a 12 team playoff. Even though 75% of people want it, only 21% say if there was the 12 team playoff, I kind of would blow off the loss, right? So I think they want the wiggle room, but they're still going to absorb the losses and take them to heart and believe what some of the textures have saying, which is it's not only about, can I get in? It's like, do I think my team can win it? And every loss calls that into question, but at least they have a chance to prove what was right and what was wrong in the end. 
right? Did they improve? You're going to get your shot. Did you improve and really deserve to be here? Or is it like, no, that loss showed who you were? That I think, Stephen, is kind of an interesting difference. 75% want to expand, but only 21% are going to have a different view of, of, of losses based on a playoff expansion. That makes sense, especially since you said how it would affect the Oregon loss, because that was not a good loss. Quite frankly, they didn't play well. And so you are going to be worried about what went wrong because a lot went wrong for you to lose that game. It's not a situation where, all right, they were just a better team that day or you just lost a a pretty solid football game. You lost that game because you didn't do what you were supposed to do to win the game. And so that makes sense that no difference won there. And I I wonder, had they just lost – on a field goal where it was competitive and back and forth all day, if people's votes would have been a little bit different than, yep. than the losses we've seen in the past where every single one you can go, that's the reason they lost. Yep. I don't think that the, it goes back to the start of the conversation, which was, I don't think fans right now in us, as we're analyzing this team are looking at this, like a 2015 scenario where maybe a championship team got, is going to get left out of the playoff by one loss to a good team. I think they're looking at it as this might be more like 2016 at best. Or, okay, you run the table and you push your way into that last spot and then you just get left as, as a splatter on the windshield. I do think the national context will affect how people view all this as we go along, right? Because mm-hmm. it's one of those things if it's like, well, I don't know, they couldn't, they couldn't beat Bam and Georgia anyway. What's the point? But if Bam and Georgia, listen, I, I talked about this a lot on the, uh, on the Wednesday playoff pod this week. Bama is getting what I think is a very interesting Florida team this week. They're playing two quarterbacks and Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is like crazy. He's six, four. He looks like an offensive tackle. He can run it. He can throw it. He's their backup quarterback. He's played like 40 snaps and Emory Jones has played like 120, but they're going to play both quarterbacks this week against Bama. And I think it's an edge for Florida that Bama doesn't exactly know what the quarterback rotation is going to be. I don't think it like hurts Florida. I think it helps them. I think that's really interesting. Then in, they have another game, and then the next game after that in two weeks is Matt Corral, Old Miss, who looks like an NFL dude. And then the mm-hmm. week after that is Texas A&M, who lost Haynes King, their starting quarterback. But they have two great backs. They have a great tight end. They have a really good defense. And, like, I think Bama has three real tests in the next month. I, like, Ohio State should be very happy that they are not playing those two Florida quarterbacks, Matt Corral, and that Texas A&M defense in the next month we might you might be looking at a couple losses for Ohio State. I think Bama could lose. And I think if Bama loses, and then I don't know that anybody's going to completely believe in Georgia, even if Georgia runs the table, just because of sort of the Kirby Smart history. And it's like, yeah, but they're going to get they're get they're going to get some of their skill guys back. Their defense is really, really good. They've got some running backs. We all I think Georgia's for real, but it's not the same as Bama. So Nathan, I do think some of this context will change. And it's like, hey, if it looks like there's an opening and man, the run game's going. They figured out the offensive line. Steve, the stuff, Stephen, that you've been talking about, the play calling looks more connected and crisper and run, pass, bomb, Travion Henderson, here, Olave down the field. All that's connected. And the defense doesn't have to be world beaters, but they get more fundamental. I think p- people, Nathan, are going to get a good feeling back. But I do think both of those have to happen because if it feels like, well, like the national championship game is just going to be a repeat of the SEC championship game. And so big deal, Ohio state improved just so they can get into a semifinal and get waxed, I think will affect how people view it. But if Bama looks a little vulnerable and Ohio state looks better, I think people will get back on board for playoff talk. Well, I think there's also just the pride factor of, of not wanting to be 
out of the playoff conversation, right? Like when you make the final four every year, when you keep making the playoff, that, that keeps you in a conversation that if you finish outside of it, you are not in that conversation. So I think that that's important here too. And that's one of the things I wrote, I wrote for Monday Madness about um, this idea of comparing 2014 and 2021 and how this year might be, why it might be a tough analogy, why that, why that might not be in the cards this year. But I will say that one of the things I, I did point out was that this team didn't like plummet nearly as far as that team did as far as like the next week's rankings i feel like people look at it and say well losing to oregon's different losing to virginia tech and or losing to that virginia tech team and uh you don't have to i mean other teams are going to lose here like you mentioned texas a&m i don't know that i was going to go 12 and 0 i oregon didn't look invincible on no. saturday so right. i mean all the teams ahead of them is cincinnati has games against indiana and notre dame next couple of weeks like it, there's other teams are going to keep dropping and they're going to just keep inching back up as long as ohio state keeps winning so it doesn't take that much for Ohio State to be right back in on the cusp of the playoff picture. As long as Ohio State keeps winning and it doesn't feel like they're going to get into the playoff and just get ran off the field. Yeah. That's the key point here. But I do think I do think as much as fans as much as I think that is built into the context of how fans process this loss, wouldn't as a fan you would rather still have them win out and make the playoff and get crushed than not make the playoff, right? I have argued mm. for that for 16 years. That is not a consensus for sure. Mm-mm. That is I don't split. Understand it's that. split. I don't, I, you, you want to be, it's, you want to have a chance. You want to have a chance. Yeah. I would, I would rather well, get crushed in a semifinal than win the Rose bowl a hundred times yeah. out of a hundred, oh, but yeah. absolutely, absolutely. There are people listening to this right now who disagree. Steven. Yeah. You, you, because I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I agree with it, but I understand that consensus yeah. of, I mean, 2016, that's not how you want to end the season. Even if you did make the playoff, you might as well not. They might as well not showed up. You didn't do anything. You might as well not. Oklahoma might as well have not showed up in 2019 with the way they played in that game. So if the, if you're going to do that, we might as well go to some other bowl where we have a chance to be competitive and maybe end the season on a positive note and start to build on that. Uh, I think the branding that you sell your program with is making the playoff. You got to make the playoff. You'd rather take the playoff. I mean, the, the idea of like, what if Oregon now makes a playoff? Ohio State doesn't make the playoff, and now Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl and plays like Arizona State that has two or three losses or something. That doesn't have a lot I of think, value for the branding of your program. I think that helps more for an Oregon level team than it does Ohio State level team because Ohio State, from a branding standpoint, they're Ohio State. This is not going to because they don't, they make, don't the make the playoff, playoff this year. Not making the playoff in 17 to 18 isn't why the recruiting fell off. It fell off because the coaches weren't doing their jobs. I, th- those two, the, them and then Alabama and Clemson, the, the, not making the playoff is not going to hurt their branding the same way it's going to help a Oregon or a Washington or a Michigan to make the playoff. I don't think it's it, not, it's not it, Apple's. Yeah, it doesn't kill the branding, but it's just it's the first chunk because then if something goes wrong in 2022, you know what I mean? So then it's like. You, I don't think you ever want that drop off. If you can win out and make the playoff, even if it means you're going to get steamrolled in the first round, I just think that's better for the momentum of the program. Because then, especially if you pick it right back up in 2022 and make the playoff again, now you start talking about, oh, we've made, we're the only program that's made the playoff four years in a row now, five years in a row now, whatever it is. I, I will say I am sort of surprised so far on the branding of the playoff that like team basketball teams hang final four banners and nobody questions mm-hmm. them. We made the final four. Like Ohio State doesn't really have like a final four banner. Yeah. Right. That they don't no. just say we made the play. Now, yeah. like they don't have a banner. When they win those games, they put like Sugar Bowl. They put, yeah, they got that, but they don't have anything that shows the fact that they played in the national championship nine and, months ago. And it doesn't, it I, but like they don't have a thing that indicates like 2016 college football playoff team. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like that kind of banner doesn't exist. That is a little weird. I wonder if how much it is though, like those things are not up there for us. And even for fans, those things are up there for the recruits that they bring in. Right. They want to show those things off as like, again, kind of branding the program. So do you want a thing up on the wall that gets a recruit to ask like, Oh, how'd you guys do that year? Oh, we got exactly. one to nothing by but, the team. You're going to go visit next week. But when you hand up, it's the same thing with the final four banner though. What's the difference? There's no difference. It's just the branding. Nobody um, questions in the final four. Oh, did you lose in the semifinal though? There's but no I difference. Think that's, but I think uh, I think there is a difference in the in the way the sport is structured, because in in football, it's almost like, again, the expectation is that you're starting from the final four. If you're Ohio State, Clemson and Alabama, whereas in basketball, it's an achievement to get to the final four. You had to fight through a lot what? to get to the final four. Does Duke hang that, final four banners or not? Or does Duke only hang national championship banners? Yeah, that's I'm, what I'm saying, that it's a different achievement to get to the final four in basketball than it is in football. It's a it's a, the, the sports are structured completely differently. I, I think we might see more of that when we go to 12 team playoff. And so now you have to win a couple games to get to the final four instead of just like you made the playoff, which is the but final I, four. But I would hang a playoff banner. Like I would yeah. hang, like we made the playoff. Like I just, I'm just, it's, it's interesting to me that that's a line that basketball draws that football has not yet drawn yet in quite the same way. But they hang banners that say they won the Citrus Bowl in 1991. Who cares? This is true. They don't, and they took some of those down. They used to, they had those up there for a long time. Citrus Bowl, right? Yeah. Nobody cares. But they don't have like playoff team. Here's the years we made the playoff. I I, I just think it's a little weird. It is a little bit different distinction though, because winning getting a final four banner in basketball says we won these four games to get to the final four. In football, it says we were given one of the four best teams. We were given the playoff spot. We didn't earn it with the regular season where we were the one of the four best teams in the country. It's different though. Among the only four that had a chance to win a national title. It's a different Achieving. Yeah, I completely. This is now we're playing grammar games, semantics games. I could not disagree with you more. I think it's a failure by the football committee and college football and the branding of the individual schools. They're going to fight for a fake national title from 1961. It's like, hey, we won a national title a year. We lost our bowl. Cool. Hang a playoff banner. You earn that. Don't give me a national championship where you lost your last game because three drunk guys at a bar sent you a letter. They probably didn't give you a trophy. Who cares? It's not real. But this is a real thing, and you don't hang up. Is that a playoff banner? It's a failure by I the, would agree I, with that. It's a failure by college football. You want me to brand a hiring committee? Sentiment. I will brand the heck out of you. It's ridiculous. But I think it's more on the schools than it is on the committee yeah. or like college football. Right. It's more I can on make a banner right now. Decision. I made up five fake press releases today. I can make up a playoff banner for them. Now I'm going to find out they're going to listen to me like, there's a banner right there, Doug. See that banner that says, College football playoff appearances. What are you talking about? I'll come on and apologize. It doesn't feel prominent to me. Like they do have, here's the thing. They have very prominently the Clemson semifinal win, mm-hmm. right? From 2020. That is treated almost like a national championship. That they have a banner that specifically says that that was a big win, but they don't, they kind of downplay like the losses. Like, right, that 16 and 19, well, the fact that they got there, the fact that they got there in 16, 19, I, are not quite celebrated to the level that I would imagine that they should be. But when you hang a, a Final Four banner in basketball, you are separating yourself from a much larger crowd of teams that could conceivably make a Final Four than you are in football. I think in football, they have put up banners and pictures and whatever that emphasize when they beat Clemson and Alabama head to head. Let me ask you this. What is more important for Ohio State to win a Big Ten championship or to make the playoff? To make the playoff. Okay. 
Do they have Big Ten championship banners all over there, all over the indoor? Yes, every single one. Do they have mm-hmm. any banners that say we made the playoff? What's a bigger no. deal in 2016 that you didn't go to the Big Ten championship game, but you made the playoff, or in 2018 when you won the Big Ten championship game and didn't go to the playoff? Which would you pick? Which season I, would you pick? I'm actually not saying that I wouldn't hang the playoff banners. I'm just saying that I do consider them different. I understand why they might look at them differently. Because, again, winning a Big Ten championship is you won a game to win a trophy to win the Big Ten championship. They got I agree with Doug. There should be a ban- there should be a banner up that says playoff appearances for all the years. Yeah. Even if it's I not would- like the big old picture banner like you do with the yeah. Clemson win. It's hard because it couldn't be a picture. It couldn't be like 2016. Playoff participant. Hey, guys. Hey, I know you got shut out. Can we get in for the picture? Can we all come in for the banner picture? JT, we'll put you right up front here. Like, that's – here we go. It's like, when you're a kid at, it's, it's like when you're a kid at an AAU tournament and you lose in a national championship game, which I did in fourth grade. And they were like – they were making us take a picture. None of us wanted to take it. It's like, smile. Stop crying. We just lost. What do you mean smile and stop crying? But did your AAU team at practice then hang a banner at some point that said national championship game of AAU? It was, definitely, the, on our, yeah. it was definitely on our trophies. Don't put the small. It was definitely on Acknowledge the thing. Acknowledge it. All right. That is the, uh, what you call it, podcast. This is a Thursday pod. The Friday pod will preview the game. We've been terrible at it. We haven't gotten anything right. I don't think we've said a name of a Tulsa game, a Tulsa player yet, though, either. So this is going to be interesting on Friday. All I know is that Tulsa last year had a linebacker who's better than any current Ohio State linebacker. But Zayvon Collins is now in the NFL. So this is not a Zayvon Collins discussion. And John Cooper used to coach at Tulsa. So I don't know. I guess, I mean, no, we will. I was just saying, I guess we'll get into it. We will get into it. We have to get into it. That's what we do with the pregame show. We'll try to give you our best educated guess on how we think this game is going to go. We have not gotten a ton right i don't know in the end did you guys ever go back and look did you see anybody anywhere that picked oregon to win that game like were there any i mean national people make all kinds of picks i'd seen a pick like week one that picked miami to beat alabama so sometimes people are trying to roll the dice and like be a little different i personally i don't know that i saw a ton of picks either way i did not come across a pick that i remember that it was like oh that person's picking oregon to win i thought i i think there were some picks out there as far as the spread that people thought 14 and a half, 15, what it was a kickoff. They yeah. were taking Oregon there. I didn't see any direct head to head, but they, I'm, it wouldn't shock me if they were out there. I suppose people try to like, if you're, if you're one of those people picking games and you look over the course of a season, like what are the likely ones after you saw how state's defense struggle a little bit against Minnesota, that would have been a good one to pick. Yeah. All right. So we'll get into Tulsa on Friday. Of course, the post game podcast on Saturday. If you want to listen to the college football playoff show, we'd love to have you. I certainly would appreciate you guys trying that out if you haven't so far. Read cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Try the text at 614-350-3315. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.